Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, and as always, joined by David Durfee. How are you, Dave? Great. Fun to be with you, Scott. Another day. and Great day. Great day to talk about these uh, really important things. I love that we're. I love the topic that we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah, we are kind of in the heart and center of our course here. Yeah, because I, not to repeat, but to repeat, you know, if people will really understand the events of the atonement, they'll be humbled, and if they can really understand the effects of the atonement and all that the atonement covers, Scott, wow. They they will be filled with such gratitude and peace, which will give them the motivation and the love that they need, really, to uh, to really use to allow the atonement to flow into their into their lives. In a world where gratitude and peace aren't necessarily the predominant norm, it's a really kind of refreshing and inspiring activity to, to take a look at this. I know that, uh, you know, as I attend uh, our institute class that Deb and I teach, as I'm involved in the uh, rooms of uh, recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous and other AA programs, just to see this power that we're talking about at work into the lives of others actually helps me to see it at work in my own life sometimes better too you know and it's so I love that I love that uh, we're, we're talking about these I love our stories that we talked about last week I know we've got a couple of more to come this week as we emphasize and bring bring light to the important doctrine the, the things that we're talking about so anyway well, Dave, wasn't it wasn't it Wilson Smith that developed the the Alcoholics Anonymous oh that was Bill Wilson Bill Wilson, Doctor Bill Smith, Wilson, right? and Bob Smith. Yeah, two guys. All right, and yeah. and I know that they felt inspired to do oh, that. Well, you know, led uh, by the spirit to do that, right? They well, they it, a lot. It's pretty directly, actually. You know, if you if I and I heard this. In fact, I was laying on a beach about eight or nine years ago when I heard Bill Wilson. It, it's a recording. He's been dead for many years. But talk about how he received a uh, a revelation yeah. uh, on the uh, twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they came to him. Uh, a light came into his room. I mean, it's something. Yeah. We're, it's stuff that we're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. and and the, the right the fruit. You, you're, how do you judge a by the fruit sheet by their fruit right. she shall and know the, them, the right? fruits the fruits of that revelation have been amazing yeah millions literally millions and you know and I don't know how many hundreds of thousands and I you know I don't know so hundreds of thousands may be even low how many hundreds of thousands of alcoholics and media, uh, anonymous meetings or, or or meetings like that you know other recovery groups most other recovery groups uh, kind of spawn from that as well and, you know, Dave, there's something really cool about those meetings. At the end of each meeting, and I've been to meetings all over the world, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of each meeting, we, we uh, say what's called a serenity prayer, or we say the Lord's Prayer, or, you know, there's a couple of others. But, mm. you know, in that serenity prayer, we do that with the intent. Uh, we, we always say, for the alcoholic who still suffers both in and out of these rooms. Mm. And I think that that is that prayer. And I think that that prayer actually invokes the spirit the administrator of the atonement of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. into the lives of those who need it to, yeah. ins- to inspire us. And I, I literally pray, believe that I was prayed there by hundreds of thousands of Alcoholics Anonymous on a daily I'm sure basis. God hears those prayers. I know he does. Uh, which, which step is yeah. it, the second or third that uh, recognizing that there's a greater power than ourselves and that without yeah, that, power? Yeah, that, uh, they're all built around that, but it's introduced as the second step, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay, so, I, and you, you've told me before that you think that's maybe the most important step. That and, is the most important step. And it just, everything else kind of centers around that. And my, my thoughts about that is it's a miracle and... Uh, you know, praise the Lord that uh, Wilson, Brother Wilson, I'll call him, and Brother Smith, you know, that they came up with with this, that have, have blessed so many people. But, Scott, wouldn't it have been awesome if they could have known the details of how that power yeah. is possible, Yeah, how that power is administered, and how the atonement of Jesus Christ makes all those gifts of mercy and grace and power you know how that how that real just think how knowing the specifics 
the events and the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ uh, could strengthen that that step. Well, and it does. It, it, for those of us who embrace that, and, and you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why it wasn't obviously. And yeah, and, and Heavenly yeah. Father knew what he was doing. For all because, religions and all. Well, and there's an entire not chapter. Just churches, to, but religions. There's an entire chapter in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous to agnostics, and that might be the most yeah. spiritual chapter in the whole book, by mm. my estimation, it is. Mm. Um, but you know, so it had to be. It had to be a big basket, a big wide. Yeah net to 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 allow those of us and you know and the other thing is too dave a lot of folks that come into alcoholics anonymous uh, and this is also true in our culture the lds culture uh, are coming in with a big time resentment against organized religion so you know to to be able to kind of work it the way that it's worked you know a, a power greater than me uh, rather than than coming right out and then it, what that does is that allows us through our own discovery through the spirit to find what that is. Yeah. And, and inevitably, it leads us to the truth. Well, I think I said last in our last podcast uh, last time that, you know, it's this isn't really about church. That's right. This, this understanding of the events and the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ is just pure gospel, the fullness of the gospel. Well, and what it does is it invites us into a relationship, and eventually for those of us in the church, a covenant relationship, but what it does is it invites us into a relationship wherein healing and processing and all that needs to take place so that our lives can be what they were intended to be can be. Yeah, so I I hope all our listeners can just not just listen, but to seek, to study, to ponder, to pray. Uh, to, to really come to a deeper understanding and appreciation for all that the atonement of Jesus Christ covers. You know, Scott, I, in, uh, in all the classes I've attended and all the talks I've heard and in all the things that, that goes on in the church, uh, it's still somewhat surprising to me how uh, little... Uh, and I'm not. I'm not being critical. This is just an observation. I'm not trying to be critical, and I'm not thinking any any one individual. But just kind of how limited so many people see the atonement of Jesus Christ. They they just they. If we could just understand the effects, the universal, unconditional effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ, how it could inspire us. Li- guide us, fill us with the Spirit, fill us with love, fill us with peace, fill us with joy, answer so many, so many hard questions. You know, when I taught young adults for so many years and they came in with all these questions about whether it's about sexual identity or whether it's about all of the injustice and all of the unfairness of life, all of that, Scott, can be answered. And I, I know it doesn't make it necessarily sometimes any easier, but all of that can be answered, and you can find joy, and you can find peace in some of the most difficult challenges and ch- uh, adversities and trials of life if, if we just understood the universal, unconditional, and conditional effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. You know what the atonement of Jesus Christ does for us is it gives us answers to those questions and those questions that we struggle with, the answers that we we so often think, okay, what is the answer to this question? What is the answer to this problem? What is the anecdote to the uh, the things that I'm facing? What are the steps that I need to take in order to overcome? Where the atonement of Jesus Christ helps us to recapitulate that to instead of what to who amen and and again when you're filled with that understanding our our hearts our hearts our feelings our emotions our minds all turn to our turn to jesus christ and and it's through him that we can receive the uh, the joy and purpose um really that we seek in this life right i'll never forget listening to uh elder rasband who was on the the Utah State Commission uh, suicide prevention, and he was on this statewide commission uh, as an apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And anyway, I, he was speaking about that, 
And I think it was three times in his talk, he said, all of our problems, all of our solutions, mm -hmm. all of our answers are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say understanding his mission, his purpose, and his atonement. If we understood his purpose, his mission, his atonement, the gift of the Father in the form of his Son, if, if we understood all that and we understood the Father's plan, wow, it is so filled with grace and mercy. Last time we talked, Scott, about how most of the Heavenly Father's children are going to be saved in the celestial kingdom. I strongly believe that. I heard Elder McConkie say that years and years ago, just based upon that one fact of the, all the little children who have died before the age of eight, which was 50% uh, 200 years ago. I actually looked that statistic up once. I wanted to see if that was if that was just hearsay. And I, I think it was actually like 48%. Yeah. 48% uh, 200 years ago, 200 and... 200 and a few years ago now. It's probably been 230 or 40 years ago now. 48% of children didn't make it to the age of eight. Yeah. Statistically, that's half. Yeah. That's <laughs> within so, that. So, you know, again, and, and, and think of the times before that in the Dark Ages and even worse times before that. And, and times when we weren't keeping records and for cultures who haven't, et cetera. So. And I, I know it doesn't make it sometimes any easier when people lose children or when we see children suffer. Uh, we still suffer, but, but we, there, there at least is an answer to that. There's a, there's a purpose to that. There is a, there is a happy ending to that, even though it's, it's awful. I think of all these um, headlines and all this suffering in Gaza right now. Right. And, and, and in Ukraine and all, in you know, when, whenever you see the children suffering, man, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to watch. It's hard to think about. But then our thoughts should go to, thank God, please bless the children. I mean, it goes to a prayer really, right? We, we turn to a prayer and then we pray for the suffering those who are suffering, and we then thank God that he suffered for them and that he redeemed them and saved them and that he, that uh, through through the, his atoning sacrifice, that, that they're going to be fine and they're going to have everything they could have had, should have had, would have had. So, uh, Scott, I just, oh, man, this the atonement of Jesus Christ, I know it's impossible to comprehend how he did it, and I know it's impossible to fully comprehend what it covers, but I, I hope our listeners will have a desire to learn more about what it covers, because the more you understand about the grace and mercy, the redemptive, enabling, and, and compensatory blessings that can flow into our life through the atonement of Jesus Christ, it really does answer life's hardest, most difficult problems and questions. So let's continue on. We're talking about the unconditional effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ overcoming the spiritual death created in this world universally through the fall of Adam and Eve. So the atonement unconditionally covers all of us in some ways or another, Scott. I mean, you've... you've <laughs> You've had your problems. You've had things forced upon you. I've had things forced upon me. We've all, all of us are victims. And I, I don't mean that in a negative entitlement sort of way. We're, we're all victims of the fall of Adam and Eve and the sins and the blood of this generation. I mean, really. I, and me to uh, extreme lesser degree than so many others in this world. I, I, we're so blessed. But, Scott, we've, we've all been sinned against. And all of that is unconditionally covered through the atonement of Jesus Christ. In fact, I think I, think I can say all of the negatives mm -hmm. in my life, your life, in the world, all of the negatives in the world that came about because of living in a fallen, hellish, 
celestial world are unconditionally covered by the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now just just think about that and how universal. It's, it's just so much deeper, broader than we than we can comprehend really. But um, the last time we talked about salvation of children, we talked about those who are covered, who ignorantly sin, who die without the law. Uh, this, uh, today I want to talk about a couple of other aspects of how the atonement unconditionally covers the spiritual death of Adam and Eve. And, and one of those I'll, I'll share by telling this story. I, I was uh, the area director out in the Midwest for seminaries and institutes, and I was invited to go to a North America Central area meeting where our area president, Hugh Pinnock, a powerful general authority president of the 70, where he would be training uh, stake presidents who had Indian reservations within their stake. And, man, there's there's a lot of those out there in the Midwest, Scott. Um, you know, in Utah, we, we you think of a Native American reservation then we know there are a few and you think of the four corners area and others but there's a lot of them out there in the midwest you know the the, the mandan and the sioux and all the the red lake and the, the winter indian wet reservations that are in nebraska and the dakotas and minnesota and he invited all the state presidents that covered those areas to there were 40 of them so we went to a, a meeting in Hardin, Montana, which he had arranged to be on the Crow Indian Reservation in uh, Hardin, Montana, in a little branch building there. And uh, he is uh, really kind of, and the reason I was there, of course, was I was there because I covered the entire Midwest and had dozens of Indian reservations and seminary and institute programs that, that covered those Indian reservations. So we, we go, and he's, he's uh, at a point speaking to us where he's just really calling us to repentance, and he's really letting us have it. And he makes this statement. If any of you were born in their moccasins, some of you would not be uh, as doing as well as you think you would do. You wouldn't be doing any better than they were doing. And he was just telling us, we, you can't judge these people. You have no idea what they've been through. For generations, you cannot judge these people. And, and he, he went on to, to quote from Alma, and he says, I know, I know what the, th- the three worst sins are. I know what Alma says about that. I know the worst sin is the sin of denying the Holy Ghost, the unpardonable sin. I know that, and I believe it. And I believe the second worst sin, as Alma says, is to commit murder. That's the second worst sin. But he says, Alma says the third worst sin is adultery. But he says, I actually believe there's a sin worse than adultery. And that's when you write off somebody. Whenever you write off somebody, that's a form of murder. You write them off, he said, you're committing a sin worse than adultery. I could tell he really felt strongly about that, and what what I heard and felt, I didn't disagree. And then he, then he quoted this scripture that he believed that the greatest gift that we needed as leaders and as priesthood leaders was, and he turned to a Doctrine and Covenants section 46, which is a revelation on on uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, you know, I, I knew this section and I knew this gift, but I had heard it interpreted in uh, different ways. I'd never heard it, heard it interpreted this way. But he's reading about the gift of administration. Uh, And let's read the verse, and then I'll tell you what he said about it. So it's Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, verse 15. And again, to some it is given by the Holy Ghost to know the differences of administration, as it will be pleasing unto the same Lord, according as the Lord will, suiting his mercies according to the conditions of the children of men. 
so the gift of administration is to know how to suit God's mercy to the children of men. Or in other words, according to Elder Pinnock, Hugh Pinnock, the gift of administration is know how to administer the atonement of Jesus Christ into the lives of others. What a powerful gift. All parents need that gift. All children need that gift. Uh, how to administer the atonement in the lives of their parents. Now parents can administer the atonement in the lives of their children. And how I can administer the atonement in the lives of strangers or friends or enemies or whoever. We all need that gift. We all know. We all need the gift to know how to, how to administer mercy, how to suit mercy according to the conditions of the children of men. And I remember him saying, you, you cannot judge these people. You cannot write them off. You cannot write them off. Well, this, my, my, I was just personally filled with spirit in that meeting. I sat across the table from him at lunch. It was in the morning that he had talked about that. And at lunch, I was sitting across the table from him. And I was just kind of wrestling with this idea a little bit. And I, I just said to him, uh, Elder Pinnock, I loved what you taught us this morning about suiting, uh, suiting the Lord's mercy according to the conditions of the children of men. But how do I, how do I reconciliate that with the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that says, uh, let's see, Scott, I've, I think I've got it right here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is, as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. I, I just asked him, I said, how do I reconciliate suiting mercies according to the conditions of men with um, there's no temptation that is not common to man and that God will deliver us? And he kind of kind of winces at me a little bit and... And he says to me, well, Brother Durfee, there's a difference between temptations and conditions. That's all he said to me. And it was like a thousand lights for me, Scott, really. I, I mean, it was so enlightening to me. I knew, I knew, I got it. In, in other words, we all do have temptations, but that's different than being born into conditions that we didn't choose. That's, that's different than uh, conditions that you have no control over at all. You, you have control over temptations. Sure. You have agency. Yep. And you can control temptations. You can choose whether to give in to a temptation or not. But you absolutely cannot control sometimes the conditions that you are born into or that are heaped. Upon you. Upon you without your choice. There's a, con there's a difference between conditions and temptations. And the atonement of Jesus Christ covers all the negative conditions. That was one of the most profound moments of my life and answered so many, and has ever since then, answered so many difficult uh, situations and problems that I've faced in my life. Uh, with my with my own children, without my adopted son who went to prison, who I spoke about last time, and uh, and just so many of those things that you see in the world that you go, well, that's not right, that's not fair, that's not that's not just. Jesus Christ's atonement, unconditionally, unconditionally, covers all the negative conditions. Uh, suiting his mercies, suiting, I think of a, a tailor, a, a tailor um, making a suit, right? Suiting, covering, suiting us, covering us, tailor-made, tailor-made suit of, of mercy. This cloak, covering, and atonement means kafar, covering, a covering of his mercy unconditionally to cover all of the negative, sometimes awful, terrible conditions of the children of men. Well, I've loved that, and 
I have seen it all over in conference talks and scriptures since then, which I would have, which I think I may have missed if I hadn't learned that uh, from Elder Pinnock on a Crow Indian reservation. Dave, that has application to all of us, not just those in the Crow Indian Reservation, not just those that have been raised in depravity and and, and all of those other things. I think that, uh, you know, that scripture has application even to those of us probably who have been uh, active in the church and have literally tried. Uh, I, when I say all of us, I should say all of them that have literally tried all their lives to live the gospel of Jesus Christ because, you know, because of the fall, because of the veil, because of all of the uh, things that we face here in mortality, there are conditions and there's conditions that's heaped upon each one of us. And there's also conditions that we inadvertently probably potentially heap upon others as we're raising them as well. And it's, it's comforting to know that, you know, all parents, I, I think, you know, I don't, what parent hasn't thought, oh, my kid has made a mistake. Where did I go wrong? Uh, and, you know, and sometimes, yeah, we do need to be accountable. Sometimes we do need to take inventory and, 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 and look, take a look at it, our own lives. But other times we need to extend ourselves some mercy. And other times we need to extend uh, ourselves some grace and just understand that there are conditions. And I didn't mean to. And I'm doing the best that I can. And they're doing the best that they can. And because of this scripture, those uh, to know that God's judgments will be suited according to the conditions of man. That's an individual thing. That's not a blanket proposition. That's individual. That's right. part of the individuality of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Amen. But just, if we all received that gift of the Spirit, Scott, yeah. think about this for a minute. If we could all receive that gift of the Spirit, pray for that gift, use that gift t- towards myself to, to, to know how to suit mercy and to use the atonement of Jesus Christ in my own life according to my own conditions, and then you as an elder scorn president to, to, to administer the atonement of Jesus Christ into the lives of others, to know how to suit his mercies according to others' conditions. Right. A, a, a bishop, a, a mother, a father, a friend. I mean, think about the effects if we could all understand and receive that gift of the Spirit in our life, how it can make a difference in not only our life, but the lives of so many others. So in essence, what we're talking about, Scott, is Jesus Christ and his atonement. Not only, not only did he suffer for all of the iniquities of life, but he suffered for all the inequalities of life. I mean, just think how universal uh, that is. Uh, Elder Elder Bednar said it this way in an amazing talk called The Atonement and the Journey of Mortality. It's uh, back in April 2012. The Savior has suffered not just for our iniquities, but also for the inequality, the unfairness, the pain, the anguish, and the emotional distresses that so frequently beset us. There is no physical pain no anguish of soul, no suffering of spirit, no infirmity or weakness that you or I ever experienced during our mortal journey that the Savior did not experience first. And, and it's not just that he experienced it and can offer us divine empathy, but in some of this, he unconditionally covered it and compensates us for things that we had no choice over. Uh, This is Elder Richard G. Scott. The atonement will not only help us overcome our transgressions and mistakes, but in his time, it will resolve. So not just, he not only feels it, understands it, but the atonement of Jesus Christ will resolve all the inequities of life. Those things that are unfair, which are the consequences of circumstance or others' acts, not of our own decisions. Elder Quentin L. Cook, Jesus Christ is our Savior and Redeemer, whose atonement not only provides for salvation and exaltation, but also will compensate for all the unfairness of life. The first time I read that uh, about the compensatory power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, Scott, and I don't have the quote with me right here, 
but it was um, the first presidency statement on the disease of AIDS. When that was uh, really controversial, when Magic Johnson had AIDS and nobody, Carl Malone and others weren't going to play basketball and everybody was kind of freaking out because they believed you could get it if you'd touch somebody else's blood. And there were a lot of babies and there were uh, uh, innocent uh, a spouse or others who were getting this awful disease of, of AIDS. And the first presidency, and, and there, I remember there were a lot of Christian churches. There were, there were several evangelical churches, this became quite controversial, who believed that this, was, uh, this disease was God's way of punishing homosexuals. I remember thinking, oh, I, I, that's not the God I believe in. And I was so grateful when it became so controversial that uh, the church uh, produced an official statement on the churches, on the Church of Christ's position on AIDS. And they came out and said, you know, that this was not, this was not God punishing his children because there were too many innocent people who were dying from it. it this, was not, this was not coming from God. And then in the last, very last part of that first presidency statement, which I think was like 1981, they, they in essence said, because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, all of those who suffer innocently will receive compensatory blessings through Jesus Christ and his atonement. That was the first time really in my life, Scott, where I go, Wow, compensatory powers. That's one of the major powers out of the atonement of Jesus Christ is that it covers all of those who suffer innocently. And and the brethren have been talking about it ever since, but I think 1881 is the first time that that phrase was maybe really used, and it's one of my, my favorites to describe. Listen to uh, just one uh, line here from Elder Todd Christofferson in a conference not long ago. He said, The atonement also satisfies... The debt of justice, which justice owes to us by healing and compensating us for any suffering we innocently endure. So so justice, not just mercy, but even in the law of justice, Scott, the law of justice demands that there be a certain fairness. And the atonement of Jesus Christ is not only merciful, but it's just. Because justice owes us who, who suffer innocently something, and the atonement covers that. Again, meeting the demands of justice. I love this by Elder Worthland. The Lord compensates the faithful for every loss. That which is taken away from those who love the Lord will be added unto them in his own way. While it may not come at the time we desire, the faithful will know that every tear today will eventually be returned a hundredfold with tears of joicing and gratitude. And uh, sweet Elder Anderson, this is in, I, I, it was kind of interesting that I pointed this out to him. We should, we should put this in your book since you wrote it. Uh, this is one of my favorite quotes from Elder Anderson, which he actually gave it a BYU devotional. He said, As evil increases in the world... There is a compensatory spiritual power for the righteous. As the world slides from its spiritual moorings, the Lord prepares the way for those who seek him, offering them greater assurance, greater confirmation, and greater confidence in the spiritual direction they are traveling. The gift of the Holy Ghost becomes a brighter light in the emerging twilight. I know that's true, and I... I think about the youth, uh, today's youth, Scott. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't easy to be, you know, a good Christian or a good Latter-day Saint uh, in my day, and it wasn't in your day. But And I don't know if I could do it in today's day. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a youth today. You know, I mean, really, the world is becoming increasingly... Wicked, evil. I remember President Packer saying, we have now crossed the point. He told the missionaries this in a 
devotional at the MTC where I, I was present, and he said, the world is now more wicked than it is righteous. I remember thinking, wow, I'm glad I'm not a youth. or, And, and I know as a patriarch giving blessings to uh, you know the youth that they were prepared for this. They knew this. This, 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 uh, they were well prepared and I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just saying that, uh, there is more difficult, sinful conditions today than there were even when we were born. And I know that there are compensatory powers in the lives of the youth and others that they enjoy because of Jesus Christ and his atonement. Yeah. And I think I get to see that. You know, I I know that, uh, you know, you've been retired a minute and been away from the classroom, but, um, you know, Deb and I have that opportunity on a weekly basis. In fact, we'll be there tonight. And, you know, we were there last week, and it was amazing as we did our opening social last week for Institute, how many young adults were there. And, and how they sing, you know, the hymns, yeah. the hymns of Maybe. the restoration with so much testimony and so much spirit. And yeah, there, there's difficulty. They face difficulty. But David, you know, when you and I were younger, uh, there was a big, wide gray area, you know, and, and I pretty much lived it. I know you didn't, but I pretty much lived in that big, <laughs> wide gray area. I don't know. I think I, I that, was that, there way too much of the time myself. That gray area is way narrower today. And yeah. I'm, this is just anecdotal. This is just based on my observation, but it's a pretty accurate observation. I'm pretty in touch with it, uh, you know, because of my experiences, etc. The youth today are feeling and enjoying. Those who are aligning, those who are accepting, and those who are uh, taking to heed. Who the, will, who will, the, who receive the gift they can't exactly doctrine and covenants receive 88, the gift and the three, giver right? of the exactly. gift exactly they receive the gift and the giver because of their obedience and strict adherence to the stuff that they're hearing from our prophets and apostles today uh, and so you know as part of that compensatory blessing to them is the love that they feel from the apostles and prophets today, which inspired them because of their gratitude to align uh, probably more closely than, I don't know, other generations in the past have with our Heavenly Father, Dave. Yeah. All because of the compensatory blessings. You're right, Scott. Right. I, you know, I'm thinking of someone right now who I know who was, you know, sexually abused over and over again. And I, I know the effects that had on that child when that child grew up and became an adult. And um, n- no doubt in my mind and by the Spirit, I know that uh, some of the choices that they made were the result of conditions forced on them, sins committed against them, not of their own choice or choosing. And honestly, Scott, it's, it, it doesn't make it less sad knowing that, but it can bring some peace in sorrow. That's so true. Because I know that the atonement has that individual, yeah. that the atonement covers that individual, that if sins are, com- that if wrongs are committed because of sins committed against you, that the atonement of Jesus Christ covers that. That's, that is the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, the compensatory and redeeming and enabling powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. Um, I know a, a bishop who shared with me, uh, a bishop of a young adult ward, who would have individuals come in who had uh, committed sins of immorality and how because of maybe uh, having been a missionary or or having you know lived in a uh, something of an ideal latter-day saint home or family that they were they were definitely more accountable and that that maybe one or two acts of uh, immorality or fornication uh, justified him by the spirit really as a judge in israel where he felt like it would be helpful to them out of love that they have a uh, what they used to call disciplinary council or a membership council now. It's what we ter- use, the, what we call it. And so he had a lot of those. But he said, I was shocked 
one Sunday when a girl came in and she had written down that she had committed fornication 39 times. And as he said, I began to to talk to her and question her and get to know her, uh, how she had experienced rape as a child and had been so sexually violated as a child that she had completely, in essence, had the her conscience, which I believe is a light to be able to discern light. The conscience is like a pair of eyes that allows us to be able to discern light. And she, she was just so, her thinking and spiritually, she became so distorted uh, that he said, I, I remember thinking, wow, 39 times and I can't have a disciplinary council or membership council for her. The atonement covers her. And he knew that there were just some basic things that he had to do to help her to receive it. I mean, Scott, I'm not the judge, and I'm not, I'm not saying. I, 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 only God can judge. Only he really knows perfectly what mercies we can, how to suit his mercies according to the conditions of men. And that is a gift that all of us should covet all of us should seek to receive is to know how to offer mercy, how to offer grace, and how to receive it, right? Grace for grace. How to receive grace and mercy by offering the atonement. And, and even, again, as you point out so, so well, so important, to ourselves. Right. I, I don't, I'm not even sure we can judge ourselves in some way, Scott. Right. I I think the the Lord in some ways may be more merciful in His judgment of us than we are of us, but the point is, the 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 power and comprehension of the atonement of Jesus yeah. Christ is just unimaginable. You know, Dave, um, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said that we are our own worst critics, and we believe others see us that same way. Yeah. And, and we really do. You know, I, I know that I do. I know that I still battle with this, and I've had a recent wrestle with this, you know, just because of my my fall, because of my personal fall, etc. But to really believe that, you know, I, it's so easy, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, so we, we, we talk about, you know, we, we have these sayings that we say, and one of them is, is that we believe that God could and would if he were sought. Hey, if we seek God, mm-hmm. that he, that not only, not only can he, but he will. Um, and and mm-hmm. for many of us, I've said this, uh, in fact, I say this when I speak quite frequently, I believed that God could and would if he were sought for you. But I had a difficult time believing that for me because of the way that I chose to receive the programming in my life and believed that perfection because I was raised a certain way that I was responsible a certain way. What I didn't realize is that the way I was raised may not have been necessarily the way that I thought I was raised. There was, there's, there is fall and mortality in every experience that we have in this life and suiting that judgment according to the conditions of man. It's not just important that we extend that to others, but maybe we need to look first to ourselves Uh, and then, and then, by then and thereby we become equipped also to extend it to others dave i agree everybody's story is different Scott. totally different every no and, 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 no and, two stories are the same and not only that but our individual stories also change true they change yeah. with our perspective they change with our experience they change with the energy that we give it or take from it right and all of that is also conditioned or can be conditioned upon the way that we receive the blessing that we just talked about from the atonement of Jesus Christ. I love this uh, talk that uh, our newest apostle, the newest apostle, uh, Elder Patrick Kieran, who I had the pleasure of of meeting when he came and did a devotional for us um, at the Utah Valley University Institute of Religion, uh, it was a, you know, it was really a sweet experience for him to speak to our faculty and to meet him personally, and then to have him speak to our students. He is, he is so, I mean, he is 
he is so kind. He is so loving. He is so just down to earth, Scott. And recently he gave a talk. This was just uh, not even two years ago. This is April 2022. And uh, I just have loved using this quote over and over again. But uh, let me just read a couple paragraphs. Um, he's, he's talking about to those who have been abused, those who have suffered. Which he is, he, you know, he was uh, born in England and has been around the world. As I think his parents, if I remember, was in the Middle East and he lived there for a while. And, you know, he's, he, he's very experienced with this. Anyway, Elder Kieran says, Perhaps some of you, however, consider the accounts of survivors and your soul cries out that you are a living, that you are living a survival story right now as a victim of abuse, neglect, bullying, domestic violence, or any suffering of this kind. You are in the midst of your own desperate attempt to survive a situation that feels very much like a disastrous shipwreck or a promising mission suddenly aborted, which you didn't choose. Will you ever be rescued? Will you make it through your own survival story? And then he says, The answer is yes. You can survive. You have, in fact, already been rescued. You have already been saved by the one who has suffered the very torment you are suffering and endured the very agony you are enduring. Jesus has overcome the abuses of this world to give you power to not only survive, but one day through him to overcome and even conquer, to completely rise above the pain, the misery, the anguish, and see them replaced by peace. And then he quotes that great scripture in, in Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword nay nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us that's that's the power unconditional blessings compensatory blessings scott of the atonement of jesus christ uh, understanding that and feeling that causes us to be so filled with gratitude and love for our Heavenly Father's plan and our Savior's willingness to carry it out. Sometimes I think it might be more important for, well, sometimes I think it might be really important for us to begin our approach of the atonement at the compensatory blessings. Because, Dave, once I feel the compensatory blessings at work in my life, then I've removed the distraction from my life, uh, at least for now, and I'll have to come back to that and do it again and again. At least that's been my experience. But then I've m removed the distraction from my life in order for me, and I feel more able to put on the other components of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I feel more worthy to approach him in my repentance. I feel more, uh, I feel more able to receive the enabling and strengthening blessings that can come to me because I feel better aligned because there's this, you know, the, the accuser again, right? right. We'll, we'll same, get, we'll get us, accuser. we'll get us to believe that our conditions are who we are, not our conditions. So important, Scott, what you just said. You know, when you have a child who's who's making bad decisions and choices, don't talk about their behaviors. Talk about this doctrine. Right. Talk about the compensatory powers. Talk about the mercy. Talk about the grace. Talk about the the uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ. The depth. The breadth. The uh, you know yeah. the, you how know. much of the atonement of Jesus Christ is there for them, because that's that's what will. It frankly enable them, strengthen them, to be able to keep the commandments. Uh, it, it's the most motivating power on this earth is to understand the love of God in offering His Son, and the love of Jesus Christ in the giving of His blood, His life, His everything, to save His brothers and sisters and our Heavenly Father's children. I, I mean, understanding that Scott is 
is what uh, leads people to find their purpose and to find peace and to find the uh, not just the uh, ability or the, or the will but but even the the beginning desires to change and to repent. I've heard people in the past talk about how the atonement of Jesus Christ was an invitation and it felt inviting to them. You know when Jesus says come unto me, well that's you know how we come unto him is through his atonement. In the past, for much for part of my life, Dave, it didn't feel inviting. It felt indicting. Mm. It, it felt it felt like the atonement of Jesus Christ was an mm. indictment to me, not an invitation to heal, mm. but an indi- indictment for me to expose where I was uh, such a loser, so to speak. Yeah, this compensatory blessings that's offered to us will negate all of that. Yeah. Because it's through the compensatory blessings that that I'm most able. I feel that I feel Heavenly Father's love through all of it. But it's where I personally feel a greater degree with more intensity, with more purpose that goes straight to the heart of my soul through the compensatory blessings. I think that and again, getting back, which is which enables me and it further invites me to put on the rest of the atonement. Well, that that's a profound question we should all ask ourselves where we're really at in our relationship with Jesus Christ is do we see the atonement as indicting or inviting and however you answer that question will tell you where you're at in your relationship right and if the answer, and, and probably in your understanding as well it, it probably more import- importantly and your relationship and if it feels indicting if it feels indicting then we are not going to accept an invitation but once we've removed that and we feel the love of the compensatory blessings that invitation becomes so real to us mm. that's that's really profound thank you scott we need to all all remember that the atonement of Jesus Christ uh, should be inviting, not indicting. And it is. If we really understand, if we understand it, it. If we don't listen to the words of the accuser. If we understand it, it really is inviting. I mean, if you understand all the conditional right. aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ, then you, are, um, you have a greater desire and motivation and strength yeah. to participate in the conditional aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which includes... Faith and baptism and receiving uh, ordinances and keeping covenants and all of that. Those are all the conditional aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which we'll talk more about in the next podcast or two after this. But we're still we're still focused right now on my favorite part of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which are the unconditional aspects and effects of the atonement in our lives. There's one last one, Scott, and we'll just touch on this briefly. When it comes to overcoming spiritual death, which is the, the, the first negative consequence of the fall of Adam and Eve, uh, is how the atonement, because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we will all, all return to the presence of God. That word all is complete. That's inclusive of every one of us, Dave. Uh, so, are you mean you mean sons of perdition? You mean I mean all those who don't, all of all those who don't eventually uh, accept that degree, the highest degree this, of glory. This is taught a dozen times in the Book of Mormon, Scott. I, Brother Matthews uh, really taught this to to me, and he taught it to so many others. But that's where I, that's where I first learned it was setting at the feet of Brother Robert Matthews. And his, I, his favorite scripture on it, I think, was Helaman 14. And again, it's over and over again in the Book of Mormon. But I just think, again, this, this motivates me because I know I'm going to... I can't just go commit all the sins I want to commit and then just go be cast out to outer darkness or, or even the celestial kingdom or even the terrestrial kingdom and not face God. There is going to be a face-to-face we are all going to return to the presence of God. And that, that's, a, that's motivating to me. That affects me, Scott. So uh, in Helaman 14, the, this doctrine taught powerfully by Samuel Lamanite. Verse 15, For behold, he, speaking of Christ, surely must die that salvation may come. Yea, it behooveth him and becometh expedient that he dieth 
to bring to pass the resurrection of the dead, that thereby men may be brought into the presence of the Lord. Now get this. Verse 16. Yea, behold, this death bringeth to pass the resurrection and redeemeth all mankind. All. Did you get that, Scott? (laughs) All mankind from the first death. That spiritual death. For all mankind, by the fall of Adam, being cut off from the presence of the Lord, are considered as dead, both as to things temporal or physical, and to things spiritual. But behold, verse 17, but behold, the resurrection of Christ redeemeth mankind, yea, even all mankind, and bringeth them back into the presence of the Lord. Now, Scott, I know the scripture says no unclean thing can dwell in the presence of God. I know we can't dwell there, but we will return there. We will all go back to God to be judged, and it will be face to face. And I love to think that, like President Benson said, we'll all be be, uh, surprised how familiar, we'll all be surprised how familiar the Father seems to us and we'll all over, be overcome by the love that he, that he has for us. And then based upon our choices, our decision, accountability, the righteous judgment, we'll, we'll, we'll go where we can thrive according to our desires and our will and what we want. I, I mean, that's right. That's the way it is. But we will not escape. Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we, we left God's presence... And because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, this is also taught powerfully in Jacob's discourse in 2 Nephi 9 and, and in other places. Because we left God's presence, came to a fallen world, we will return to his presence because of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And then there will be a judgment. But um, I, I think that doctrine is important for us to understand and i think most people don't necessarily see it that way uh and uh, i just i just think i think about that (laughs) i know the prophet joseph smith said we should think more about that we should think more about uh, president nelson just i think taught that we should we all need to be thinking a little more uh celestial meaning having an eternal perspective and uh look uh, look to the end uh, from the beginning see the end see the end from the beginning i know that because of of christ that we will return to the presence of god and i hope that we can all all look forward to that in this episode and the one before it is actually where we start to fill the um personal application or or how the Uh, application of Jesus's atonement is at work in our life. Uh, If that's not our experience, then I'm going to invite us to open our hearts and our minds and allow that to be the experience. Because if we just have an intellectual relationship with the things that we've been talking about, and it's easy to do, especially with the things that we've been talking about up until now, even with those, I invite us to have a more than just an intellectual relationship. We were inviting us to come unto him to have that relationship relationship with him for that is really what it's all about. But you know as we as we talk about the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ and this is going to be true last week, true this week and true in the weeks to come, uh, I invite us all to start seeing where we can do a better job in accepting the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives because that's really all it is. It's just about us aligning with it so that we can accept it, especially when it comes to these, the unconditional uh, components, the unconditional blessings, the unconditional effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I love today that the atonement of Jesus Christ is indeed an invitation for me to come unto him rather than an indictment of my own fallenness. Uh, That has made all the difference for me. May that do the same for you and in all that we do. That's our prayer. We look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks so much for being with us today and always be well. Mm